Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersina, from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. It is the Lawn and Garden Journal. And yes, where has October gone? It has gone by so fast. And we have sort of weathered the elements of hot, cold, and now a little bit of rain just before the Halloween's Eve that's here. And I must say, with getting into the mood of Halloween, uh, the elf dust here is happening. We're transforming to holiday here. But it was a little spooky the other night, because as we left in the wee late hours of the evening, Guess what I beheld? Well, some of my flowers that were at the front door were being chewed on by some deer, so it was quite a surprise to go into the parking lot. But it was kind of pretty, too, to see the reflection of them in the night uh, sky. But, indeed, I had my spook. That was Halloween. Please, take a listen. We're listening to the poem, hence Halloween. Out I went into the meadow, where the moon was shining brightly, and the oak trees lengthening shadows on the sloping swore did lean. For I longed to see the goblins and the dainty-footed fairies and the gnomes who dwell in caverns but come forth on Halloween. All the spirits, good and evil, fay and pixie, witch and wizard, on this night will sure be stirring, thought I, as I walked along, and if Puck the merry wanderer or Her Majesty Titania, or the Mab who teases housewives, if their housewifery be wrong, should but condescend to me, but thoughts took sudden parting, for I saw a few feet from me, standing in the moonlight there, a quaint roguish little figure, and I knew twas Puck the Twister, by the twinkle of his bright eyes underneath his shaggy hair. Yet I felt no fear of Robin, salutations brief we uttered, laughed and touched me on the shoulder, and we lightly walked away, and I found that I was smaller, for the grasses brushed my elbows, and the asters seemed like oak trees, with their trunks so tall and grey. Swiftly, swiftly, as the wind we travelled, till we came upon a garden, bright within the gloomy forest, like a gem within the mine. And I saw, as we grew nearer, that the flowers, so blue and golden, were but little men and women, who amongst the green did shine. But twas the marvellous resemblance their bright figures bore to blossoms, as they smiled and danced and curtsied, clad in yellow, pink, and blue. That fair dame, my eyes were certain, who among them moved so proudly, was my moss rose, while her earrings sparkled in the morning dew. Here, too, danced my pinks and pansies, smiling gaily as they used to, when, like bow beckled and merry, they disported in the sun. There, with meek eyes, walked a lily, while the violets and snowdrops tripped in the lordly tulips, triant blossoms, every one. But spoke to me, wondering, These blithe fairies are spirits, or the flowers of all summer? bloom beneath its tender sky when they feel the frosty fingers of the autumn closing around them. They forsake their earth-born dwellings, which to earth return and die, as befit things that are mortal, but these spirits 
who are deathless, care not for the frosty autumn, nor the winter long and keen, but the field and wood and garden, when the summer's tasks are finished, gather here for dance and music, as old on Halloween. Long with puck watched I revels, till the grey light of morning dimmed the lustre of Orion, stared sentry overhead, and the fairies, at that warning, ceased their riot, and the brightness faded the lonely forest, and I knew that they had fled. Ah, it's never been forgotten, this strange night I learned the secret, that within each flower a busy fairy leaves, lives and works unseen, seldom is to mortals granted, do behold the elves and pixies, do behold the merry spirits who come forth on Halloween. It's Saturday, it's the sort of the the day before the eve of Halloween. So it's going to be spectacular to talk about our gardens. Sorry about that, I had to say that. We're going to go right to lines. I think we've got Joanne here waiting. Good Hello. morning, Joanne. Hi. Hi. Where I are you calling from? I have a question from? about my canna lilies. Sure. I know that there is some way of preserving the bulb so I can plant it again next spring. So how do I do that? Okay. Have you had a little bit of frost on them yet? Uh, yep, the, the leaves had all turned black. Okay, so now you're going to want to dig those up and harvest them. Okay. Uh, I like to try and break off as much soil as you can on those tubers that are in there and dry them out a little bit. As you break off some of that excess dirt, uh, sometimes, sometimes people like to wash off the excess dirt, and then once they're completely dry, you can s- store them in a cool location. Okay. I tried that last year, and they all dried up like prunes, and they didn't grow when I planted them. Okay, then um, try and store them in as cool of location as you can. They were. Uh, It was was in a closed... I put them in a brown paper bag. I put them in a cupboard where I store my potatoes. It was closed, dark, and it doesn't get any warmer than plus four. Okay, so maybe uh, at that point, maybe add a little bit of sawdust and that kind of stuff into it. Okay. Because it might be a little bit too dry that's in there. Okay. And sometimes if there's a little bit of dampness that's on the sawdust, that may help a little bit. Okay. But I would check them probably monthly to see how they're progressing through that. Because if they are too dry, they will dry up. All right, so I guess they just got too dry. Yeah, okay. 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 The other thing that sometimes some people do, too, is uh, they will actually store them in the dirt uh, in soil. It's almost like keeping it in a dormant state with the soil around it, oh. if you have the location to store the soil everywhere. Oh, just so I can just uh, put them in the pot that they're in and just put that pot away somewhere? Yeah, you can do that, too, but you got to make sure that the soil dries out. Oh, okay. Um, okay. It's a really big pot, and it's really wet. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's sometimes when we try to lift things, we try to, if you have the space or a cooler area uh, that you can put them into, but that, that they, A, they cannot freeze, or they cannot be overly wet, because then yeah, they'll you rot. get, yeah, you get the other thing that you get them rot. Yeah. Okay? Okay, I'll try, I'll try the sawdust in the bag thing, because otherwise the, the pots are really, really too big to store yeah. easily. Yeah. Okay, I will try that. Okay, thank you, Joanne. And when oh, when should I take them out and try to plant them again? Well, it's almost like when you find that bag of potatoes at the back that you pull out and you see the eye starting to develop. Yeah. Usually, peeking around the end of February, you'll start to see that there you might see some of those eyes starting. Okay. So, like, if it was at you, if you have, again, 
planting in the spring is all dependent on your space, your lighting, because if you start things too soon indoors, you're going to run out of space and things are going to cause stretching because your yeah. light levels aren't as high. Yeah, so right. probably um, if you want to do it indoors and you've got a nice grow lamp and everything, I'd probably do it late March. Okay. Okay? Okay. I'll All try. right. Thank you. Yeah, I have, I have faith in you. Okay, thanks. Okay, Okay, bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks for calling, Joanne. It is that time of season where we're lifting some uh, and storing. And we are in the same boat. We have some uh, beautiful caladiums that we grew here uh, through the summer and that kind of stuff. And yes, we don't have the space for all of them. We like to put the energy back into the bulbs. And the rationale while we wait for a lot of plants to Uh, either get touched by a little bit of frost or for that energy, it has to go back into the bulb to make them nice and big. The other thing I should have mentioned, Joanne, is I generally don't like to break up my bulbs. A lot of people will sort of say, oh, I just got these huge bulbs. Maybe I'll split them now. Leave them intact and wait because part of that is the food source for that bulb to go through that season of storage as well. So you want to make sure that you're optimally uh, cleaning it up really good. If there's a little bit of, if in the olden days we used to put a little bit of sulfur dust in there too as well to prevent any fungal growth that's on it. So that could be a couple little tips that are for you on that. And we are in the same boat. I remember uh, mom and dad harvesting some of their calla lilies. They used to love the calla lilies. And this, they look like flat pancakes by the time they harvest them and they were so big. So Keep them together, and then you can probably do your splits and divides if they're really big and fleshy for the next year. That would be one thing to do, all right? It's perfect for that aspect. We're going to go right to the lines. David is waiting. Hi, David. Good morning. Hi. Hi. Good morning. Hi. Um, You're talking about bulbs. Uh, I dug up my glad bulbs the other day, and uh, they're pretty good shape, but they have a lot of little wee tiny white bulbs surrounded around them. And I'm wondering, are these good for seed next year? Yeah, those are those are actually bulbets or offsets that yeah. are on on there. So I would leave them on there because as they develop next year, they may get a little bigger and have the sub, sub you know subsequent more blooming that's on there. And sometimes you, bulbs were either divide by an offset on the bulb, or in some cases. Um, like we also see it in lilies, like lilium, yeah. that you'll see uh, the the seed sets that will go on the stemming. But it does take a little bit longer from seed. Okay, well, these are like little tiny like little pearls that surrounded the, the main bulb. Yeah. Like, uh, I should remove them then? And um, I don't know if I would remove them. I would just leave them uh, on there as well. There's about 50 of them around there, you know. They they they, they surround a continual. They're just like uh, oh, they're like snails around the, the main bulb, and they're just uh, little white things. So uh, yeah, they're like the size of the garlic uh, stalks that come out, you know, in heads. <clears throat> and yeah, uh, so uh, I I was wondering if I should because if you if you plant them, it's going to be very tight and close together, wouldn't they? In a, in a garden. Well, wait and see what it does in the spring, because if you find oh. that they're dried in the spring, uh-huh. then t- then remove them. But there's some little bit of energy in those still. Oh, okay. 
Okay, so let them stay on there and then see what they look like in the spring. Sometimes you'll see that they'll dry off themselves. Okay. And if not, sometimes they have a tendency to help food the source of the other plant, okay? All right, I'll do that. Yeah. See how it goes then. Okay. Okay, wonderful. Thanks very much. You're very welcome. Thank you for calling in. There are so many different aspects about bulbs and storage, and I find that in my uh, experience, I've kind of left some of those on there myself. And they, uh, so yeah, some of them are going to fall off, some of them are going to add on to it, but it's always that investigation. If I can try to get it to grow, I'm all for that. Let's go right back to lines. Mary is next. Hi, Mary. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Where are you calling from this morning? Morden. Morden. Well, good morning, Morden. Yeah, it's grizzly and wet. Oh, you know what? It was, you know, but we um, we need it. We got a, um, it's kind of the gloom before the Halloween, I think. But yeah, we sure need it. We need, it's been a very dry summer, and boy, the plants need to take up some of that moisture before they go into dormant winter. I was wondering, I've got a great big aloe vera plant, and nobody wants it, and it's leaning over too far. I'm afraid it might tip over the pot and everything one day. I was wondering, can I cut the top off and put it in the ground? Will it grow roots? Uh, Sometimes on some of the cacti areas. Like, are you talking about the very tip of it or taking an offset, like taking a couple of leaves and re-rooting? No, not the leaves. Cutting off, let's say, the top foot of the plant. If there is a portion of the stem that is visible that's on there, yeah, you can do that. Because aloe vera and sometimes cacti, you can actually slice through a leaf set of it and set it onto a soil and support it. And in some cases, that's how sometimes you get the rooting of some of these plants. So, yes, I would probably recommend that if you want to try and do that to save it, um, it, it you could try. And then I have some, I, somebody gave me some daffodil plants in the spring and if I plant those bulbs I guess it would be too late to plant them out now Uh, no you can get if your ground is workable and the ground has been warm uh, I would get them in the ground rather than storing them in a fridge or somewhere cold over the winter so if you can get them into the ground get them in oh I can get them in the ground Yep, then, uh, then it looks like you're going to do a little bit of work this, af- or this afternoon if the rain stops. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but there's time. We, uh, you know, the little bits of tulips and daffodils that we have here, there's some people that are just saying, I've got to get them in the ground, so you're right in that category. Okay, and you uh, announced your phone number way too fast. Oh, okay. For it's- us old people, that's hard to catch it. Well, you know what? Thank you for the reminder. It's a good day to remind me to slow down a bit. So I will say it slower for you. Thank you. You're very welcome. All right. Thank you for calling. Have a good winter. Oh, thank you very much. It'll be a nice rest. Okay. Bye-bye, Mary. Bye. Bye. You know, I'm sorry. Sometimes when you get into the mood and you get excited about things, so I will say it, the phone number here is one 800 374-3315. And it's always nice to have someone have your back for you and help you out. So thank you, Mary, on that one. So let's go right to the lines. It's going to be a busy morning. So we're going to talk to Kathleen next. Mm-hmm. Kathleen? Yes, this is Kathleen calling. Hi, good morning. Where are you calling from? Oh, I'm calling from Winnipeg, Carla. 
Well, it's a gloomy morning in Winnipeg, but yes, like I it said, is. It's, it's very gloomy. I wanted to. I wanted to ask you. My son gave me a plant for Mother's Day, and I had it outside all summer. Beautiful. It's it's called. I I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. Diplodenia. Yep, you did awesome on that. And uh, it's blooming. I I brought it in the house as soon as it got cool, and I've got lots of flowers on it. But now I notice the leaves are all going yellow. Am I doing something wrong? Okay, with Diplodenia, um, is it a bush type or is it a vining type? Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm not sure which way it's going. Okay, uh, you know, it just looks like a plant. It's not big. Yep. You know. Okay, so it's probably the bush type because there's two types that get very vining, like it likes to climb, and then there's oh, a bush okay. type. Oh, but, no, this uh, one isn't. I don't think this one is. Okay. Well, they're very pretty, and they are a little bit uh, not temperamental, but they are they need as bright light as you can give them when they come indoors. And okay. the, ye- the yellowing, um, there's a few things to watch for. When we see signs of yellowing on our plants, I want you to look on the undersides of the leaves to make sure that there's no indications of bug. So spider mites will cause yellowing of leaves, Um, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, aphids also. But aphids are going to be easy to see. The spider mites look like if on the undersides of the leaves, it looks like a dusting of fine, fine powder that's on there. Okay, and if it's not that, then the decrease or the transition from one condition to the other could be causing it to do a little bit of a uh, oopsie where it says, okay, I'm, I'm, I don't know where I am, I've got to readjust myself and I'm going through a little transition. So we sometimes see leaf drop and that right. could be because of the coolness, so it's going to drop some of its leaves. And the other thing too is slow down on your watering on okay. your house. We always recommend that for in, indoor houseplants because, A, our houses are now cooler unless we turn it on the heat and it's right close to the rad. But right. plants aren't respiring. Your, your candles or your light levels are a lot lower. So the plants aren't doing as much work as they need to pay, uh, take up all this moisture and to respire and grow. So I think it could be a combination of all this, but double-check First of all, if you have um, haven't brought any critters in with you, okay? Okay. All right. And you can prevent spider mites through the winter on a lot of plants because spider mites like dry conditions on the leaves. So oh. uh, frequent misting of the of the leaves and especially the undersides of the leaves. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Okay. Does that, I hope I helped you with that one. Oh, you did. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, you're very welcome. And thank you for listening to the Lawn and Garden oh, Journal. Thank you. I enjoy it. All thank right. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Have a great weekend. Yeah, and, you know, before we go to the next caller, the reason why we recommend misting, like it's nice to give your plants a nice little shower from the top, but just remember, it's like an umbrella. The leaf is above me. Where do I want to hide? Under the leaf. So, this is a good time, too, is if you can get some of your plants to uh, the tub or the shower. I always like to put a great big garbage bag tight tight around the stem of my plants. And with either the hand wand or the shower, 
give your plants a really good rinse off. So if the hose is already put away, that's another good way of being able to clean off your plants. They will love it. And partway through the season, maybe in February, hey, give them a steam, not, okay, not a steam bath. We don't want hot water, but give them a nice shower in the, in under the sink or on that tap. They will love it. You'll get off also some of the dust. Yep. And it opens up the pores and the cells of the tops of your plants because that's where they respire, through the leaves of their cells. All right? Let's go right back to the lines. We have Margaret's next. Hi, Margaret. Good morning, Carla. Good morning. And where are you calling from this morning? From Winnipeg. Well, it's a Winnipeg morning. <laughs> yeah, pretty dreary. It's dreary, but you know what? Uh, like I said, there's there's a reason why we need this in the... Uh, up above, they're giving us the moisture that we need to lock these plants in for a long winter, okay? Giving me a chance to clean up the yard. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Oh, there's nothing like picking up wet leaves. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I'm planning regarding a Christmas cactus. Sure. I have slips from a Christmas cactus. How do I get it to root and how oh. to plant it when it's okay. not the full plant? Yeah, you can actually, with uh, Christmas or Easter or Thanksgiving cactus, because they all have different shapes, um, you can actually, if the segments of each one of those, if you, we, well, I've done it where I've just taken a segment and laid it on the surface of the soil. It takes a long time for it to root, but you can either slightly angle it into the soil or even sometimes laying it on the soil will cause it to root. Now, when you take a segment from it, you can encourage growth by using a rooting hormone, which active, uh, activates the plant to stimulate to create that development of roots. So you can try either or way. Cutting a segment of it or pushing it slightly into the soil on an angle or laying it on the surface. Okay? Well, uh, can you put it in water and with uh, pebbles around it? Would that root that way also or not? Uh, um, being a succulent type of plant, they don't like to be overwatered too much, so I've never done it that way. It doesn't oh. mean that there, someone hasn't tried it that way, but I find that they like that intermittent dryness between uh, their cells. And actually, when you're doing cactus and succulents like that, we usually, like even um, some of our cactus where we're taking the top of it off, we allow that to callus slightly so it seals itself almost like a scab before we uh, lay it on the soil to start rooting, because otherwise it causes a rooting, uh, rotting effect that's on it. Oh, I see. Okay. So I just put it on dirt and just kind of leave it. Yep. You can put a, You can leave it there to root. Let the soil go slightly dry between waterings, but then mm-hmm. you would miss the soil. And if you want to put a little plastic clear bag over it for a little bit, and then... You have to do a really good air exchange on there, too, as well, okay? Almost like a mini greenhouse? Yes, like a mini greenhouse. And oh. here, I'm going to give you a project to do. If you want <laughs> if you want to try it in water, do a mm-hmm. test. Do some in water and do some on the soil. But the ones on the soil, are it takes time because, you know, at the garden center here, every now and then we get... Uh, some plants that will drop off into another pot that's down below on it and all of a sudden lo and behold a month later we see plants growing in the plants below them <laughs> of the oh, same really? ones 
Yeah, sometimes they'll root. Uh, you know, segments of certain plants will drop onto the other ones. And if it's, uh, if it's got the moisture and intermittent watering that's on it and allowed to dry, all of a sudden we got plants growing on top of other plants. Wow, it's a double double reaction. <laughs> yeah, double reaction. A demo, uh, we call those bonus plants. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, oh, okay, do you I'll hear try little, both. Yeah, try both. And you know what? Uh, you can give us a report back when we uh, when the lawn and garden starts up again in the spring. I sure will. Okay, right. thank you very much, Carla. Oh, you're very welcome, and thank you for calling in. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. So... Where are your, um, you know, and the Christmas cactus, I have to say that uh, we started on our tables. I was walking through that greenhouse, and I actually snapped a picture because they are just starting to come in some of the bloom. So it's just beautiful. Like, is it a Christmas cactus? Easter? And I, you know, some of them are more rounded and lobed. I can't remember exactly which shape is what, which some are very jagged. And then there's that one that's in Bertina. The one that in between, I think, is the Christmas cactus that's in there. So it's, you know, is yours starting to bloom? Are you trying to get yours starting to bloom? So just remember, if you are if you have your holiday cactus and it's been resting for a while, we want to do that transition where we want to get it into that blooming habit. It's like our poinsettias that we have grown through the summer now it's that transitioning to the other color so like poinsettias uh day night neutral timing you want to be able to set it into darkness and have a regime between light hours and dark hours and also to uh sometimes change in temperature is really good i find for our holiday cactus okay we only have a few more weeks to go it's sad to say i do not know how fast this is just gone this season. I'm telling you, but it's been fun. Uh, we have someone that has put a question to us. A little shy, but I'm happy to help you out. It's like, okay, we've gone from amaryllis to how do I store my carrots? So it's that time, and you just made me giggle when this question came up, because I will tell you, and sometimes I give you a little bit of caption of myself, um, before we go in this, is yes, carrots. They're in the ground. It's one of those crops that can actually stay in the ground for a fair bit of time. So if they haven't dug them up yet, you want to get them up before the ground freezes. I know some people have actually left some in the ground a little bit longer than that. But you just give me a little reminder of when uh, my parents took us all up to Russell, Manitoba. And, of course, my other grandmother that was up there uh, had an entire patch Maybe in the child's mind, maybe it was maybe 100 feet long, but it was maybe 20 feet long of rows of carrots. And as I started plucking them, the question was, would you like to pull the carrots out? And of course, I said yes. But that what turned into a few minutes of pulling carrots into a whole afternoon of carrots and to inviting the entire family to washing and cleaning and, and drying carrots. So the regime for doing your carrots is, you're going to want to pull them out, you know, uh, when when the soil is dry. I find that it's easier if it, the soil is a little bit um, wet. Like, if you're pulling it out of the wet, mucky stuff that's happening right now, it's just going to make muddy, super muddy carrots. <laughs> it's not a good thing to do. So, if the soil is relatively dry, pull them out. 
and it makes it a lot easier when you are uh, being able to knock off all that dirt that's on them. And what I like to do is, what Grandma used to do was make a pile. Make a pile of your big ones, your small ones, and your medium ones. And I know that you can get some weird-shaped carrots out there. There are some sites that you can get that you have this imagination of where these are. I can see two-legged walking carrots all over the time. So you want to make sure that the greenery portion of your carrots is removed. So you're going to snap the top off or use a little secateur knife and just uh, remove the greenery because if you're storing it, the green live portion of the upper part is going to be the one that is most likely going to cause rotting when you're starting your storage. So it now it's the time. Do a little bit of washing. So as per usual, the four grandchildren are lined up and we're washing carrots and getting all that mud out. Now it's the time when once they're all washed out, if you have a place, and this is where we would put them on a clean towel or on a sheet and allow them to dry. If it was a nice sunny day on the deck, you may want to put them out on the deck, roll them around, make sure that they're completely dry. And the rationale is you want your carrots to be dry so that when you are going to place them or store them, uh, this is the time where you do not want them to be soggy and wet. Now, here's the point. Do you want to uh, store them in the fridge? Some people will start pickling some. Uh, you can freeze them. So there is a whole aspect of them. You could even grate some up. Like, why not grate up a few bags? I can just have, okay, I'm thinking about a carrot muffin or a carrot cake right now. So even grating up some of those carrots and putting them into bag is a quick fix that once they're thawed, wow, how fast will that be that you're going to be able to make those carrot cakes so much faster that's in it? So I'm not one that's in there if it's parboil. I can't remember if mom and dad did some parboiling of some of them before they did their freezing, but I think that's part and parcel that goes with it. But um, the new trend too, carrots and pickling carrots. I know my daughter was doing some beans and she was doing other types of strips that's on there and how yummy and that is a good snack. So if you're going to do some pickled carrots or pickled beans, give that to the kids. They're beautiful and it's tasty and you get to eat the fruits of your labor. So I'm hope, I hope I've answered your question on those ones there about how to treat and store your carrots. It also comes in handy if you have an extra fridge, whether it's for uh, the drinks and beverages. Maybe half the drinks and beverages come out and the fridge now uh, becomes a portal for holding all those carrots that you have. So, And I heard, uh, I think I, uh, you heard me mention earlier that uh, my business partner, Ken here, he has a, a fairly big garden plot that he works on. And he reported to me, and he actually brought me some of his beets. He said it was the best season ever for his beets and his carrots. And I think if you're talking about your carrots, I'm going to do a shout out. Did your carrots perform well this year? Because he was saying that they weren't stunted. They were nice. They were elongated. And when you're the different types of carrots that you have, you can do the stubbies or you can get the longer versions of them. And uh, he was happy to say that they got some really good crops of carrots. So twas the season for carrots that are out there. Now, when we're going through, we've talked about carrots. I will give a uh, shout. The line is open, 1-800-374-3315. But as we were talking about bulbs, I did want to uh, 
put this out there that the amaryllis bulb season is just about to commence. So if you're pulling at and have your amaryllis bulbs in storage, this is about the time that you may want to start bringing some of them out. Again, this is a bulb that we store through the summer. Now we're waiting for it because this is a holiday plant that we like to put through. Now, the different types. So check your closets, check your cool rooms, and check on those amaryllis bulbs to see if they're ready to start growing. This is one thing, too, that if you're talking about uh, making slips off of a cactus or and that, and we lay it on top of the soil, thinking, shouldn't it be in the soil to grow? Well, there's a new trend that's out there, and the new trend is with your amaryllis is yes, they like to be gently pushed into the soil to grow in some instances. I always like to see one-third of it sort of exposed that's in there or a little bit half exposed. You can actually do them in vases where the, the, the roots are just above or the bottom of the bulb is just above the, the water line so that they have that humidity and the moisture. But what is the coolest trend, and I don't know if any of you have seen it, is they're waxed bulbs. They look so decorative. So they actually have a wax coating that's around them with a small little stand that you can either put on a vase or a candlestick holder. And the amaryllis has enough energy in that bulb form to grow upwards and have this beautiful bloom, just in the capacity of being held within this waxy coating on the outside of it. And they've actually gotten quite funky. I want you, if you're, if you're online, Google wax-coated amaryllis, and you'll see how much fun this is. And I think plants make it fun. It's about the capacity of sort of testing, trying. Yep, we're going to be able to do some testing and trying, and even with, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing which way things grow with the cactuses. So there's different types. And if you're looking at amaryllis bulbs, now, it's like shrimp count, and when I say shrimp count, there is a size count on bulbs, so you may get smaller bulbs or larger bulbs, and they grade these as into the capacity of how they think, how many flowers they will get off of it, or how large or stemming, or how many maybe sets of uh, branches, or the flurry of flowers that you get above it. So if you're looking at a larger set bulb, you may get more stemming and more blossoms off of it. All right? That's my little portion of it that's on there. Now, we have to talk about pumpkins. No one has had a question about pumpkins. So have you got your pumpkin? There are some beautiful pumpkins out there. Now, the other thing, too, is if we go with the pumpkins, are you going for a white pumpkin this year? a blue pumpkin, maybe some of those trendy colored peach ones that are out there. But just remember, a lot of those pumpkins, if you are painting them, chop them up, and they will make great pumpkin pie coming forward. Well, before we close the show, somebody did send us a wee message to let us know that you should you should peel and shred your carrots before freezing them so they don't turn black. That is a great advice. So if you're out there and you're looking at all that different stuff, that's a perfect thing to do. So I hope you have a safe and happy Halloween and a spectacular day. We'll be back again next week on the Lawn and Garden Journal. Bye-bye, everyone.